I don't get any um, jokes about me looking like Vsauce, and we'll get rolling. <laughs> People say that? Oh, all the time, dude. <laughs> you, you definitely do look like him, wow. Wait a second, hold up, calm down, man. <laughs> That's not what I want to hear, come on. Yeah, let me go first. So, um, I'd be really surprised if this is the same game you're talking about. But anyway, so the reason I remember the first time I talked to you is because I was left with the impression that you were, well, a little bit of a jerk. And allow me to explain. So <laughs> I once had this phase where I really liked uh, playing CBA. And I wasn't very good, but I wasn't a very good player, but I kind of knew the basics. Now my best friend on Vubli at the time was Tav, Vubli's mm -hmm. head moderator. And he happened to be good friends with you too, right? And both of you guys were fairly high-rated CBA players. So one evening Tav goes, hey, listen, Dave is on. Do you want to play a game? And I said, well, sure, let's go. And so this was uh, a game with seven extremely high-rated players and then me. <laughs> and we were all on voice. And our team was me, you, Tef, and Dan from Belgium. Do you remember him? Oh, Dan. Yes, I remember Dan. A, a troublemaker, <laughs> to say the least. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dan at the time used to watch my stream from time to time, so I actually knew him a little bit. Now, in the game, I was obviously expecting some guidance from you guys because, well, I was by far the lowest rated player in the lobby. But as soon as the game started, no one said a word, not a single <laughs> word. And to make matters even worse, I had a terrible sieve. It was either Aztecs or Teutons. I don't remember anymore. So I had a terrible sieve. I was totally lost. I had no clue what to do in the game. Now, the game went on for a while. And since no one was saying anything or shouting at me, I figured, well, I was doing a decent enough job, you know. But then... <laughs> All of a sudden, Dan goes like, okay, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. And you go, yeah, and just start laughing really loud. <laughs> and then everybody resigns. <laughs> everybody resigns. And like, I'm, I'm just sitting here even more lost than I was before and thinking, well, this must have been because of me, right? I'm a terrible player. But why didn't anybody say anything? And now uh, Tav was my best friend, so I wasn't going to be mad at him. Dan, I know him for my stream, and you were like the only only one left for me to blame and for me to be mad at. <laughs> what was that? The game you remembered too? No, I don't remember playing any CBA with you, man. Maybe your performance was just that forgettable. <laughs> You've held a grudge this entire time, and I just forgot it immediately. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. It's funny, actually. Saying that Taff is a high-rated CBA player, I was kind of he was well, he was that. like two K one or something. Sure, um, he knew he knew what the units did for sure. <laughs> Taff was more of uh, Taff. We'd let him into the into the good games because he's such a nice guy, and he did so much for the community, right? So we everyone loved Taff. Like literally everyone loved Taff, so he could get into whatever game he wants. And if he wants to drag his little friend along, then fine. <laughs> I guess we'll let him in too. No, I had I had a different game in mind, dude. I had Okay, but was he bad? Was Taff really bad? No, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't good. Uh -huh. You guys were on uh, on the same clan, weren't you? No, actually. He was in the uh the bad clan, which is um the clan where people over thirty 
hung out. So I guess I would uh, I would qualify now. No, you would <laughs> to yeah. be in that clan. But that was where all the old guys hung out. They didn't have a single like actively good player. They just had mm-hmm. players that were good like ten years prior and would talk a bunch of <laughs> shit about how they were good ten years prior <laughs> and challenge you in maps that nobody played anymore. Um, so that was uh, that was his clan. But Taff was. Taff was a great guy, so we just let him into every game, and he knew everyone. And you know how he was, right? Yeah, he's just such a. It was so good with people. He yeah. he just knew how to talk with people. I think. Yeah, still one of the, one of my most missed people from the community. But the game I'm thinking of, Nelson, it was an RM game with Smarthy we playing with friends, maybe with Smarthy, maybe with other people. Can't quite remember, but I firmly remember deleting all my villagers to make 200 Britain skirmishers. I remember and I just, that I game, remember man. the tone of your voice when they showed up at your base and I will never forget it. You're like skirmishers. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I remember that game. I think it was a no TC game. It wasn't nomad. It probably was not land nomad either. It was but it I was just remember. like a community game map, yeah. just something yeah. weird. Yeah, and you you just you thought your nights were gonna work. <laughs> it's just <laughs> no. <laughs> I just remember the tone of your voice to this day. It was uh, it was good times. Well, I can tell you're proud of that achievement, so that, mm. that that's that's fine with me, Dave. That's fine with me. Anyway, Dave, let's get rid of the basics. Tell us when did you first play the game and who showed you the game for the first time. My dad showed me the game but not because he played my dad showed me the game because i got it for christmas i believe the original age of kings and i was a little kid so he was attempting to show me how to play he didn't know how to play either and actually my first game ever i remember we built a square with palisade walls and no gate and we didn't know the delete key existed so we literally walled ourselves in (laughs) And we couldn't get out. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I think like we sat there for about an hour building our little uh, village until there was no space left at all. And we were just kind of looking at each other, like all confused. We didn't know how to delete the wall. We didn't know how to make a gate. <laughs> like we couldn't go up to the next age because we had no resources. We were just in a box. Um, Does he still play your father? No, 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 no. That was the only mm-hmm. time he's ever played was to show me how to play the game. <laughs> Uh, and then I kind of got, you know, I got into the campaigns and I started playing. And then I think my parents bought me the uh, Conqueror's expansion for Easter, which is the only Easter gift I've ever received in my life. So I'm, you know, if I ever get one again, I've got a pretty high level <laughs> of expectation. High bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. High bar so to beat. Yeah. I got that. And then, um, I discovered the online play through MSN Zone because I had the little icon in the game. Uh, and for the next two years, I had to hide that I was playing online from my parents um, because, you know, back in the day, online gaming, all the articles they used to write about it and everything, like your child could get abducted. There's predators online. There's, you know, hackers <laughs> online and everything. So I, I would play custom scenario in, in Vubly. Um, and then like anytime my parents walked into the room, I would go into like the hotkeys menu and just like scroll, you know, and not show that I was playing against anyone. <laughs> not that they would know <laughs> if I was playing against anyone because they can't tell what's on the screen. But, you know, uh, 
teenager or like, it like preteen. Text. It looked like you were writing yeah. something. Yeah, 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 yeah. They knew I was in the game, but they thought I was just looking at the settings or something, right? So it was uh, <laughs> it was a covert operation on my part. And then I got super involved in custom scenario and I never looked back. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've been around for a long time, obviously. Um, you just told me you played in the zone day. So uh, the zone was a lobby based multiplayer platform, yeah. which was officially supported by Microsoft. And so in 1999, if you wanted to play Age of Empires 2 online, you would mostly go to the zone, right? So what are some of your memories of the old zone days? Mostly good, mostly bad? Mostly good. Um, it's it's so long ago, right? So you tend to like romanticize the little things that might have been annoying at the time. Like, do you remember waiting for lobbies? I don't know if you're around on zone, but there was only four custom it scenario was. lobbies. They all had 300 people. Well, I didn't play custom scenario. Yeah, it's the same thing, though. I mean, they had 300 people max. And there, the CS1 and CS2 were the cool lobbies. CS3 and CS4 were for the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go into them. And you certainly didn't go anywhere near the Latino room below because you'd get chased out. So really, CS1 and CS2, I spent so long clicking those links from the website, trying to get in. And then it tells you it's full. So you click again, and you click again, and you click again. Um I remember the bots they used to have for like the lobby messages that you could play blackjack with the entire server in there uh, by inputting commands. Wow. I remember crashing because people used to camp games one to ten and like advertise their clans or whatever. And I remember you could crash if your computer was better. You could crash their game room and kick them out of the lobby by spamming emotes. <laughs> but it was a crapshoot because it was whoever's computer was better, right? So like... <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's who crashes first <laughs> so i would just go in there and just spam emotes and hope for the best and like take over rooms and stuff and yeah it was it was That's everyone awesome. coming together as kids most of us anyway and trying to figure out what this internet thing was what this online gaming thing was how to make a community how many how to make a clan and everything was new so i have really fond memories of of those days you know what, what surprises me the most these days is that back then in the zone the most popular lobbies were the unrated ones mm -hmm. right rated lobbies were kind of really for people who want to try really really hard I, I definitely remember trying to get in the uh what was it called medieval siege mm -hmm. refreshing 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 because it was full and yeah. medieval siege was unrated I never, I think I played two RM games on the zone. Like I never, never even wanted to try the category after I found custom scenario. And we didn't have any rating whatsoever. Um, we had like external leagues that we had set up on websites. And then you would have to be honest with people. <laughs> so you would play a 1v1 against someone and then submit <laughs> your results later. And they would have to confirm it too. <laughs> so they weren't oh, uh, sweet summer child <laughs> yeah they they weren't um that effective i think we could we could say that but uh yeah i i i don't even remember the rating at all i didn't know there was a standings for rm or or dm or anything i was just completely in that custom scenario world
Yeah, there there were raided lobbies, but they were kind of empty. I mean, it was really easy to get in, and it was mm-hmm. really hard to get in in the unraided lobbies. You know, one of the things that I like to remember about the zone is, you know, de- these days when you see a streamer playing someone and that guy disconnects mid-game, some people will always say he pulled the plug or he pulled mm-hmm. the cable. And each time I read this, I'm reminded of those days in the zone where pulling the plug was an actual method of avoiding losing points. I mean, today, if you disconnect, you just lose points and that's it. But back then, you know, internet connections were obviously incredibly unstable. And so getting disconnected from a game was actually something that occurred pretty frequently. And so the zone had this tolerance system where if you disconnected from a game, uh, you would lose points but your profile would then register an incomplete game. Yeah. And everybody could see how many incomplete games you had. And I think it was after five incomplete games, within a certain amount of games, you would ha- get a huge penalty, like 200 ELO loss or something. So yes, if you were really tilted about a game, you had a way of getting out of it without admitting defeat. And I'm certainly guilty of engaging in this type of behavior <laughs> more often than I'd like to admit. That's dirty. That's dirty. See, you could have just told me that like your parents picked up the phone while you were in the game, you know, back when right? everyone You had couldn't dialogue. be on the internet with a phone connection at the same time. Yeah. Amazing. I still Hate. remember that sound to this day that jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Dial up 56k modems. Yep. Sounded like the world was about to end. <laughs> yeah. So, Dave, you, you already mentioned it, but uh, until just a few years ago, you were mainly a custom scenario player and you mostly interacted with that part of the community, right? So, maybe you could explain a little bit what exactly is custom scenario, what makes it different from RM and DM, and why did you prefer it? Well, I mean, there. I think most people know what it is. There is a functionality in the game where you can create your own maps and your own triggers and everything. And that's, if you think about like the campaign levels uh, for anyone who is not familiar, those are custom scenarios. So like the triggers where you send a hero to a flag and he gets some other stuff that's set up in the back end as triggers. Um, And they've made those tools available for all people in the game to use. Um, So basically what, the maps I play have done is create competitive scenarios in which people can face off against each other with mostly just military. Um, you can buy different options, you can get different units and stuff, and there's always something new. And I think that's what attracted me to it when I was a little kid, just using the military alone without focusing on eco whatsoever, and uh, always having a new style of the game to play. Like it's infinite, the amount of choices. If you think the random map generation provides in- infinite content for Age of Empires, custom scenario times that by like a hundred. So that's mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. attracted me because I get bored very easily. <laughs> so that's why uh, <laughs> that's why I gravitated towards it. And then once you kind of, you know, once you start getting good at it or start finding tricks and forming clans and forming friendships and stuff, then you get emotionally invested and then you want to get better and you want to beat people. And that's what, that's what kept me there. So you just, you just didn't try RM or DM. It wasn't that you actually preferred CS. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't try it at all. Like my first random map game after those couple, I told you on the zone is probably God, not including Europe map, which is a custom scenario that's kind of like random map, 
uh, probably mm-hmm. 2011. Mm-hmm. So I played yeah, the game wow. for okay. literally 10 years without playing any RM. Mm-hmm. So How different. big was this CS community back in the zone? <laughs> Um, like I said, we had 1,200 people online usually through those lobbies and then probably another 1,000 trying to click into the lobbies. So it was fairly big. And then <laughs> after uh, after Zone shut down, um, <clears throat> we went to Vitev, which turned into Game Park. And obviously the community shrunk a lot. So it was probably only five mm-hmm. or 600 active players at any given time. Um and then IGZ and Vubli came along. It started growing again. At one point, it was yeah, bigger than we'll RM. So wow. Vubli, Vubli and IGZ, the staff behind it, as you know, Nelson, most of the main staff behind Vubli and IGZ were custom scenario players. They were not random map players. Like if you look wow. at the staff lift, like Rambit, Tick, you had Cat, you had yeah, Taff, yeah, like yeah. all of the big Taff? players were were custom scenario players now i don't know taff definitely had some rm mm-hmm. experience but most of the other people um were cs players so that meant that a lot of focus went on to it uh, and especially with the mod actions and like the policies and stuff so that was a good place for cs to grow mm-hmm. and i think we had we had a mm-hmm. decent community up until like five years ago and then it really started started falling off Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that part absolutely. Um, so I believe CBA is one of the most popular CS maps. Would you say it's also one of the best, or not really? No, <laughs> I was never okay. a CBA guy. It started Castle Blood Fair in the zone, <clears throat> where you had to make your own units from castles, and then CBA, where they were created automatically for you, started in like 2010, 2011. It was before it was around before that, but that's when it really started getting popular. And then CBA Hero came along, which is even worse map than CBA, in my opinion. But uh, I think it's it is, worse. Yeah, I agree. It is a balanced map in general, especially with the old civs. Not so much now with 36 civilizations in DE, if you yeah. ever play it. Not so balanced at all, but uh, it, it is balanced and it's easy to pick up. So that's why it's the most popular, most popular map. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think so many people hate or they say they hate CBA? I mean, just a few days ago, I saw a streamer being asked if he or she liked to play CBA. And the streamer just immediately goes on a rant about how dumb and stupid CBA is. And like he would never play it or she would never play it. And I've seen similar reactions over the years. Uh, so that particular streamer was definitely not alone. Why is that? Yeah, these are the same people that say they hate Justin Bieber, but silently rock out to Despacito in their car. <laughs> it's exact. It's the same people, dude. It's it's popular to hate it. I mean, it's popular to hate it. And a lot of them have played maybe once and, you know, couldn't figure out how to use their patrol hockey and just right click something and lost all their stuff. And then, you know, the other team flames them or their own team flames them far more likely there. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's just popular to hate it. I'm not a huge CBA fan, so I'm not going to sit here and like die on this hill defending it. But I think it's uh, it's definitely a fun game mode that you can play. Would you say it's a good entrance map for the broader broader oh, yeah. world of, uh, of CS? Yeah, yeah. That's like the main entrance map, basically. 
that or, or CBA Hero, although CBA Hero okay. is far more complicated. But uh, yeah, it, it'll get you in there. And then whether you decide to expand your horizons is up to you and also up to what other people are hosting, because a lot of people only play CBA and that's the only thing available uh, in custom mm-hmm. scenario. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the top CS maps for you? It depends on the moment, man. I, I could list like, I think my old custom scenario folder had 3000 plus maps in it. Now, a lot of those were wow. edited versions. A lot of those were like, you know, version one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But yeah, yeah. There's like 20 <clears throat> dodgeballs. Yeah, there is. There was probably a thousand unique maps in there. So it would depend on the time of day. It would depend on how I'm feeling. It would depend on so many things if I'm telling you like what the best is. Um, and that's why it was so tough to get, you know, custom scenario tournaments going, especially between clans or between teams, because everyone plays different maps and everyone's competitive in different maps. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how do you decide what the official ones are that you're going to play to determine who's the best? It's almost impossible. (laughs) And I think like looking at RM tournaments and if I see admins complaining in RM tournaments, I'm just like, oh, you have no idea. (laughs) Like you have no idea (laughs) the struggles. (laughs) If you were to admin a CS tournament, you would you would stop playing the game (laughs) and you would just quit. (laughs) Yeah. So as you've already alluded to, uh, in 2006, Microsoft announces that Age of Empires 2 uh, would not be supported anymore in the zone client. And this meant people certainly suddenly had no place to play the game online anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, this was at a point when both Age of Mythology and Age of Empires 3 had already been released. So this move was widely seen as Microsoft saying, stop playing that stupid old game and just buy our new games. And the thing is, in the opinion of many, myself included, the newer games were not as good as Age of Empires 2. So if you guys ever wondered why some of the older folks in this community are so skeptical uh, towards everything related to Microsoft, that's one of the biggest reasons right there. Microsoft literally abandoned the Age of Empires 2 community. Now, um, thanks to the hard work of some community members and after a few failed experiments, uh, the community eventually settled in what is now known as Vubli, as you just said. And this was either in 2008 or 2009. I'm not, not entirely sure on that one. And so that's where all the professional players were playing Age of Empires 2, right up until the Definitive Edition's release. So both you and I were staff members at Vubli, and but you were a staff member long before I was. So how did that happen? Who hired you? And what was your role exactly? I was just a moderator. I think I saw a game room that said recruiting moderators and I joined as a joke. And it was That's like, it? it was like Tick and, or Helen and Kat, I think. <clears throat> and I remember how I got the job because I didn't even want the job, number one. <laughs> I remember how I, and I think that's why I got it. <laughs> I remember they they, uh, they were asking me a bunch of questions, you know, because uh, they couldn't find anyone else to join the room. And uh, they're like, what if what if someone starts making fun of your mom in the lobby chat? And I said, well, I just responded with my mom. <laughs> my, my mom is dead. And there's a silence and they're like, you'll do. It's <laughs> just like, okay. That's the way things, that's the way I think. My, my mom is fine, by the way, guys. My mom is perfectly fine. She's a very nice lady. I saw her well, last night. Well, that's good to know. Um, 
but you know, as a little bit, you know, I've been on the online gaming community or in the AOE gaming community for so long that it was a bit jaded anyway, uh, to any insults coming to my way, coming my way. So I think I, uh, I fit in there and I wasn't trying too hard to be a mod, which if you've ever recruited for mods, anyone, as soon as someone's trying too hard, it's like an immediate red flag. Like you just, this guy's not going to be responsible with Fair the tools, enough. right? Yeah. So I, I got in there and then I just started yeah, so doing complaints, I guess, and then worked my way up because, I, um, like I said, everyone else was trying too hard. So when the managers are, or the community managers or whatever are looking for people they can trust with tools, they're looking for the people that rarely use the tools to begin with. Um, and I was one of them. So. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you were, at least when I became a staff member, you were a fairly high-ranked staff member. Mm-hmm. Or like game management or whatever. Where, and that's like a level where you had a decent access, high access to the Vubli client. So have you ever abused your, your mod powers on Vubli? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave my friends... <laughs> Tell but me never, never like in a bad way. Like I gave my friends like the orange juice award on their on their Vubli profile. I gave Tristan. I remember when I first started uh, playing with them, I watched a game of his and he died like a chump to a trush. So I made a tower <laughs> medal that said uh, "dies to a tr- or some dies to a trush" or something, and I put it on his profile. I would like kick people because I thought it was funny, <laughs> but only my friends, right? I, I just. I don't know. I never, I never did something to compromise the integrity of the mod team. I'd always just use it in funny ways, and uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I had access. I guess yeah. it was game management, but I never really thought of myself as like <laughs> a key pivotal member of the team, right? Yeah. So, um, when did your interest for RM for random map start to grow? Was there like a specific tournament or a specific event? that like particularly piqued your interest in RM? War is coming. I remember I started an internship. Wow, 2014. At, uh, yeah, 2014. I, I started an internship right out of college uh, for marketing. And I remember there was no work to be done. Like literally no work. Or the interns they had before <laughs> couldn't work because I would literally work for three <laughs> hours and then everything on my slate would be done. And then I just gravitate towards age of empires stuff so i'd read forums and whatever and then i found (laughs) the streams of ubly official streams on twitch and i remember tuning in i think it was in like winter of 2014 i guess or maybe winter 2015 um for the finals of war is coming or the semi-finals or something and it was like tyrant legends tournaments were huge back then but tyrant legends versus tyrant warlords I think it was warlords. Yeah, correct. Correct. And tuning into that and I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was amazing. So uh, that's how I got involved. And once I started watching that, then I found out about the TeamSpeak server that Boobly had. And then I met people like Smarthy or people like you or people like T90 or Hardy or any of the other people. MBL used to hang out there with us. Um, and that's that's when I really got more involved. So you never really played it a lot, though, have you? I still haven't, man. People think, like, like <laughs> I have more games on my controller player account in 1v1 RM than I think I've ever played. 
in 1v1 RM. Like people think I have like this huge portfolio of RM experience. It's like, no, no, man. I've played maybe, well, certainly under a thousand 1v1s in RM, um, including my controller play. Kind of crazy. And probably if you're looking at like standard mouse and keyboard, probably like 600 total. Team games, maybe another wow. thousand or something. But if you look at the amount of years I've been involved, I haven't really haven't really played that much. RM gets boring for me fairly quickly. Uh, like I said, I, I get bored a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get bored very easily. That's why I was a custom <laughs> stereo guy. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, I love it, but I can't really and I love watching it, but I can't really play it that much, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so for me personally, one of the funniest Age of Empires related videos there is, is the one in your channel titled, Watch Out for Those Manganelos. <laughs> now, I'm not going to spoil what happens in that video. If people listening to this haven't seen it yet, just do yourself a favor, watch it now. It's only one minute long. You guys won't regret it. <laughs> so that was 2015. Was that like one of your very first casts of a random map game? Um. I think I had done some before filling in for like Nations Cup or something because, you know, Vubly official, they were always looking for people. There just was never enough casters to cover events, especially the small ones. So I think Taft's stream mm-hmm. crashed or something. And I, I did a few casts like that. But yeah, that was one of the first ones I did alone on my channel. Um, and it's unfortunate because I love that clip as well, but the audio has been desynced for the last like three years on YouTube for some reason. I, I have no it, idea. Yeah. I have no idea why, but um, it's still funny though. Yeah, it's it's still pretty good, and especially considering the player that it happened to, who is notoriously salty. <laughs> it just it just makes it. And he was trying his best, you know. I don't I I don't want to ruin the video for anyone, but it's basically a player that's salty, notoriously salty, going up against a pro player. He finally has a push going and it feels like he has momentum. You know, he's trained for this moment and then everything goes wrong in a split second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So with this setup, people really need to watch it. Um, Yeah. So talk a little bit about those games you just mentioned uh, about the Nations Cup. Um, Did you immediately enjoy casting? Was it something that you thought, well, this is kind of fun. I'll actually want to do this again. Or were we really just trying to help and that's that's it? Um, I thought it was a little bit fun. I was trying to help. It's It was kind of a combination of all of those. In terms of casting, I never really, like in the early days, I never thought about, you know, I want to get better at this. I want to be the best at this or whatever. I just knew that I was better than most people so I could join in. And like that, you know, the standard was not high. Back in the days, uh, apart from the, the first top <laughs> level people, putting it mildly, for yeah. casting the standard was not high, so it wasn't it wasn't hard to slot in there, you know. And uh, I, I also enjoyed learning about about RM because going into it, I had no idea what I was talking about. I knew better than probably any other caster. If there was a fight going on, I knew who was going to win because I've seen more fights than anybody in custom scenario. Like I've seen every situation. Mm-hmm. So I knew which units were going to win. But as soon yeah. as it came to the economy or the builds or the strategy, I was like, well, I don't know. I hope I have a co-caster because <laughs> I'm not going to know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, I then I got involved, you know, the first cast were whatever. And then I got involved with uh, T90 and it was kind of more... Uh, friendship kind of thing 
and then the casting came after that. Mm-hmm. So I would cast with him because we were friends, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was doing him a favor, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, T ninety eight. You, you guys are obviously the most popular caster duo in our community, and your casts have now completely shattered all viewership records for this community. And you guys took it to levels no one ever thought would even be possible. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that. How did the collaboration start between you two? Did you like? have a schedule so we're going to cast this game or you just showed up and you helped him and that's it i just basically showed up and that's still how i do things like anyone who's tried to schedule with me uh, that isn't an official event i'm sorry because this is my hobby this is not what i do uh as a professional or i'm not you know at the moment i'm not full-time or anything so I'll tell people, like, if they ask me to cast with them in two weeks, I'll say, well, I won't know until the day of. <laughs> Message me an hour before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically how it worked with uh, with T90 as well. He would just send me a message or I'd see he went online on his Twitch and I'd just join up. We'd get on TeamSpeak together or Discord or whatever it was and and get things rolling. Then it kind of got into his big events, like his T90 series um big tournaments and stuff and then it was kind of more of a okay this tournament's coming we'll schedule a co-cast it'll be something a bit more formal mm-hmm. than that and it, it developed from that point onwards and the bigger the events get the more pressures on me to be a better caster so i actually have to focus on improving um uh, because i don't want to embarrass him and i wanted to give the people a good show and then after enough big events then my desire picks up to start being better rather than just being better for the sake of other mm-hmm. people. It's being better for the sake of me right? and for the sake of what I want to do. Um, and that was probably around two or three years ago that that happened instead of me just doing it for other people. <laughs> I started doing it for myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. So was it around hidden cup two, maybe um, probably around, yeah, probably around Hidden Cup 2. Everything before that was just a favorite. 2019. Yeah. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's awesome. I I never really had much to like promote, right? So it was every every cast mm-hmm. I joined was just a favor to a friend or because I wanted to go enjoy myself. It wasn't cuz I wanted to promote promote my channel, you know. Like I have <laughs> until the last year I haven't been promoting my channel or anything me at all, so that's awesome that you're still so good awesome um now one of the things your cats are also famous for uh is for noticing and pointing out some random weird things happening on the map um be it a stuck bird in the corner of the map or two random villagers dancing with each other during a late imperial war and you already told me that you get distracted really easily now i'm wondering is that a problem with the game's pacing or is that a problem with you I me <laughs> I think I think it's both to be honest it's also it's also a thing where like I recognize really early I think that gameplay cast or commentary on what's happening in the game is really only half the battle when you're talking about uh commentary especially if it's not an ultra competitive setting or you know it's on a super professional broadcast That's only a small fraction of what viewers are there for. Uh, Viewers are there for personalities Mm -hmm. of the casters. They're watching Age of Empires because they they 
probably don't want to watch something like, you know, CSGO or or something where it's it's all action all the time and that's all you're talking about. So you have to recognize that and point out those little things and kind of break it up um, in the middle of those big battles. Otherwise, people just get tired watching it, right? It's important to mm-hmm. throw in those little That's nuggets. such an important point. Uh, I hear all the time people trying to make Age of Empires faster paced or more like StarCraft 2. And I, I really think we should be careful with those things because the moment you make Age of Empires 2 more like StarCraft 2, for example, you lose the uniqueness of mm-hmm. Age of Empires 2. And then you're left with a worse version of StarCraft. So one really needs to, to tread carefully in these kind of things. Like, um, that's an awesome, awesome point. Um, now, Dave, when I was still casting fairly regularly myself, I often got the question if I would ever consider trying to cast full-time. And my answer was always the same. I already have a full-time job, and I actually happen to really love my job. And so I was never going to take the risk of trying something that could very well not work out for me and in the process quit a job that I really do like and that does make me happy. Now, you work a full-time job too, I believe, and I'm told you don't really hate it, but you're not madly in love with it either. Who told you Now, you obviously love casting. You've been doing it for a long time, and sometimes you'll even do it for whole days and consecutive days. And yet, after watching some of your past broadcasts on Twitch, I noticed that whenever someone asked you if you would like to become a full-time caster, your answer was always a very dry, nope. Now, at the risk of annoying you, why not? I wouldn't mind being a full-time content creator. A full-time caster? No. And you think (laughs) it's still too risky for that? To try to be a content creator? I mean, you're so popular. Yeah, but popularity, it's to the eye of the beholder, right? It's all depends on your perspective, right? Like, I look at my popularity... I've gotten more popular over the last year, but it's not enough to sustain like the level that I make from my other job. Right. Um, and yeah, you, you don't stream at all. You just don't stream at all. Yeah, I know. I, I, okay. <clears throat> I've thought about this a lot and, and I don't have an answer for you. Does that make sense? I know that I get tired with the game. Um, and I don't think I could do it on a full-time basis. I think the only way that that I could go full time is if I had multiple games uh, to spread it out because I get bored. I get tired. Um, I don't cast on my channel, which is what I'm known for. I do other things on, on my channel because it's just it's very fatiguing. And it's after a while, after you've done too many of them, it's just not fun anymore. Right. So I'd rather have mm-hmm. a job that I work and is work and I can get annoyed with that because no matter how much you love your job, everyone gets fed up with it at some point. And then I can go to a different avenue, which is Age of Empires or casting or whatever, and I can have fun there and I can stop when I want to. I don't have to carry on uh, with it. And it gives me it gives me a lot of freedom, right? Like if someone approaches me with a tournament or a show match and says, I want to sponsor this, I don't feel obligated to say that. I can say no to them, you know, or if mm-hmm. someone approached me for a co-cast or a collab or something like that, or God forbid, Red Bull approaches me, gives me a ton of money and says, we want you to do something that I don't want to do. I can say no to that without having wor- to worry about my finances or 
my living or my brand or anything. I can just say no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And uh, it, I think in that sense, I'm a lot more free than a lot of the other people um, making content for Age of Empires. And I kind of, I like that. That's an awesome answer. Um, so T99U, you're not only good partners, you're also very good friends. And now when you're good friends with someone, you're not jealous of his success, right? You're, you're happy for him. But um, is T90's position in the community, his huge popularity, his huge audience, something you would wish for yourself? Or is the life of a full-time content creator something you could not imagine yourself enjoying? I couldn't do what he does. I could deal with, like, no offense to T90's chat, but there's some real potatoes in there. I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> there's some potatoes in mine, too, but I can call him out right away. I don't have to pretend to be friends to everyone with everyone, you know? Um, I don't have to make YouTube content all the time or cast community games or uh, low elo legends. Like, oh my God, I could do two games of that. And then, you know, five months down the line, maybe I'll do another two. Uh, it's uh, I, what he does is completely different from what I would do. So I don't even like, I don't even compare myself to it. Right. Um, I don't, I don't waste time mm -hmm. with that because I can't do that. So would I wish for his popularity? Not if that's the price that I have to watch low elo legends and community mm -hmm. games. Like, nope, <laughs> nope. You can't get something for free. You know, you got to put the time in. Yeah. So um, there's tons of reasons why I enjoy your casting. You're a really likable guy. You have a nice voice. You're incredibly funny. Uh, and you adapt really well to everyone you co-cast with. Now, uh, adapting to a co-caster's style is something that other people also do. But I believe you go one step further. Uh, you actually go out of your way to make sure your co-caster is comfortable casting with you. And I have a very specific example of this in my mind. So this must have been either the first or one of the first times you would ever cast at a game with Memb. I want to say this was KOTD3. And so after Memb introduced you, one of the very first things you did was to immediately bring up one of Memb's catchphrases. It was either uh, Total Domination or Titanic or whatever. Uh, now, for Memb, as the host of the tournament, casting with you for the first time was something he probably was a bit nervous about. You know, are our styles going to fit together? Are the viewers going to enjoy it? So it's totally normal that he would feel nervous about it, right? So to me, you bringing up one of Mem's catchphrases right at the beginning was you very clear, clearly telling Mem indirectly, hey, relax, don't worry. We're going to have a great time casting together. I'm here to help you, and I'm here, here to make things easier for you. And I could immediately tell Mem loved it when you brought that thing up. Um, now, these days, you're mostly a co-caster. You barely cast any games on your own, right? Mm -hmm. So... Making people feel comfortable around you, is this something you learn to do, you know, in order to have as many co-casting partners as possible? Or is this just who you are in real life? I think it's who I am online. Whether it's who I am in real life, I don't know. I feel like I struggle sometimes with social engagements in real life. Um, but online, it's uh, it's something, you know, I've been talking to people online, making friendships with people online for a long time. So I don't really feel any pressure when I hop in with another person. Um, stuff like that is 
kind of unconscious decision making on my part and kind of conscious for like, you know, including my co-caster and making them feel comfortable so that we can have a better show. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just have a lot of experience. And I think one important thing about me is that I don't cast alone on my channel very often. So I'm not in the mindset of a solo caster, right? Where I have to fill all the space um, with my words and, and there's no one else that I'm bouncing off of. Also, I, I get more, how do I say this? I think I get more real feedback on my casting than other casters do because usually they're uh, casting for only their fans or only, for only people that choose to be there. Whereas I'm hopping around to different areas. Um, and if I'm doing something wrong or if people don't like me, I can adjust far better than they can um, mm -hmm. because the majority of my, mm -hmm. of my commentary comes in different places with different fan bases, different people. And I can kind of combine that um, to help improve. So that's, that's what I think anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I get along with people better than your average person, but I wouldn't say it's, you know, like <laughs> it's an amazing thing. It's just something that happens. Um, well, that's cool. You are. So I was wondering, uh, you said you're like that online. Um, let's think of a situation. Let's say you're, you go on vacation with mm -hmm. a group of five friends and you go for like two weeks. And now, you know, in two weeks, that's a lot of time people can get angry and stuff can happen. So in this situation, are you the one guy who's always making sure that everybody's on good terms with everybody else or you just don't care? I think, yeah, subconsciously I would. I, I don't think I would go out of my way to do it, but I usually have. I, I think I have a good sense of when someone's getting pissed off, even if they're not showing it or someone's getting annoyed even if they're not showing it and I'll usually like distract them with something. I don't know. That's, that's one of those things that's more <laughs> intuitive and is hard to, hard to quantify. Right. If you're in a, a social setting, you'd almost have to mm -hmm. like set it up and then we have a skit. So next time Nelson, when I meet you for the first time, we're going to set up five people, like you said, and there two of them are going to get pissed off at the other three. And then we're going to see how I can, how I can deal with it. And then we'll, we'll toss T90 in there. We'll toss T90 in there too. <laughs> To see how how awkwardly he can stand in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Dave, one of the things that never fails to make me laugh is a good impersonation. And I still mm. remember how I laughed for days over your impress uh, impression of Slam. Can you do Memb? Um, I don't think so. I can do his catchphrases phrases, like, P -p -p push. I can do that. <laughs> that was still on point. I don't think I like Meb's a pretty unique individual. I don't think I could cast a game like Meb. Jeez, I'd be falling over my chair, man. I got fatigued as it is. I don't think I could do that. Like, uh, but but that's the thing. I think the tone of your voice is so so well cut up somehow. Can you do it nearly? Um. I see once again, I have to hear them and then do it or be in like a, a specific situation. So like, let's say Nilly gets a, a sub, right? His standard message mm -hmm. would be like, thank you, my man. Like that. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> They're going up with the voice. 
<laughs> so, um, don't you lie to me on this next one. Yeah. Is the fact you play on stream only with a controller just a way for you to not publicly show your real Elo? Elo. Yep. Sure. Yep. Okay, that was yep. kind of easy. I, well, I hate, um, I hate playing on stream. And I knew that if I wanted to grow my stream or if I wanted to stream more often, I would have to do it. And the reason I hate it is because I never put in enough practice to be truly as good as I could be at the game. And I know that. And the level that I have in my mind for myself is much higher than what I'm displaying on the screen because I haven't put in that time and I mm -hmm. haven't put in that practice. So when I have other people watching me, like I can deal with it when I'm alone, when I have other people watching me and you know how age of empires chats are, you know, you got a bunch of backseat drivers and whatnot. I get really pissed off. Terrible. And that's, there's some people that come for pissed off content. There's some people that like tilted Dave. I hate tilted Dave. I think he's a little bitch. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> show that to the world. And the controller is a good way to get around that. Originally the controller was just, you know, a YouTube video gone wrong. I thought it would be cool to clickbait mm -hmm. that. Um, and then I won games. I, I won games. And I never expected to do that. I, I was like, I won. Like, I went three and two my first five games. <laughs> like, what? And then it was kind of, how far can I take this? Um, I'm never, God, I'm never going to stay above 1,000 ELO. Oh, God, I'm never going to get to 1,100. Oh, God, I'm at 1,300. <laughs> like, that's, uh, that's how it kind of developed. And it's almost been, it's almost been a year now, which seems crazy. Um, and I still haven't, mm -hmm. still haven't stopped with that because I really enjoy, um, I enjoy beating people with an inferior input device. I really do. Like you'll, I, I but can, it, as I get people older, don't know. Yeah. Well, that's why my, my name's controller play. I know, you know, as I get older, Nelson, <laughs> and as, as the unit, as the, um, internet gets more polite and you're not allowed to say as many terrible things like you said back in the day or, or, you know, be as rude to people as you were. My outward facing personality adapts with that, but my inner gamer still wants to fuck, still wants to crush people, <laughs> you know? And I don't think I'm ever gonna, I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I think beating people with a controller is just the icing on the cake for that because it's like, it's it's just objectively worse than mouse and keyboard, so I I do enjoy beating them for sure. I totally get what you mean because you know when I when I was younger and I was really mad about losing against someone, I always thought, well, when I get older, I'm I'm just not going to care about it anymore. And now I am older. I, I'm a father of two kids. And I still get really mad when I when I lose against someone, uh, especially if I lose against a trush or something like that. Uh, that just does not go away, does it? No, I get mad losing to people on a controller too. That's how tilted I can get. I lost you on something that is clearly worse than what you're using, and I'm still mad. <laughs> I'm still like, oh, this guy's so bad. <laughs> like, I. It's funny. The games I get most mad at are the games where someone does a push. Or like some composition that is just so dumb 
it would never it wouldn't work in theory it shouldn't work in practice but it works against me because i i don't have the speed to respond to it and i just get mad that i lose to stuff like that right and uh, it doesn't matter how i'm playing i'm just i'm i'm always mad man i'm an inner raging gamer i think um so you know much to my surprise after asking t90 and viper about age of empires 4 they both gave me the impression they believe both games will eventually just coexist so the existence of one game is not going to threaten the survivability of the other game Mm -hmm. and the reason i got this impression is because they both said that multiplayer is not necessarily the main focus of age of empires 4 so it's not that they don't care about it, but it's it's not the main focus. They're more invested in offering an excellent single-player experience. So that's my interpretation of what they said, at least. Maybe they meant something completely different. But yeah, what's what's your take on Age of Empires 4? You think it's going to drive people away from Age of Empires 2? Um, yeah, what's your take on that? I have no idea because I haven't been involved in the process at all. Just like everything else. From what <laughs> you've <laughs> seen. From what you've seen. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I think Age of Empires Two will survive, and I and you know this as well. Um, people have been saying AOE Two has been dying forever. They were saying it in two thousand five, before MSN Zone shut down. They're saying it after Zone shut down. They were saying it when IGZ came along, when Vubly came along, when HD came out. They were saying it at all different points, and nothing has stopped it from dying. It's on a lot of people, a lot of people that play this game, it's their favorite game of all time. Now, Age of Empires 4, what are the odds of that taking the title as a favorite game of all time over Age of Empires 2 for these people? It's pretty low. Like a lot, thousands, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of games have come out since AOE 2 has come out. And that game is still the number one game of all time in a lot of people's minds so to expect that age of empires 4 is going to take that from it it's i think you're expecting too much and i think that both communities can exist on um you know separate but the same at the same time it'll probably be the same players going back and forth between the two for the existing age 2 fan base and then we bring a lot for age 4 and it wouldn't be surprised to see the age 2 numbers go up after a while after age four's release just because people from age four are more interested in the franchise and go back to age of empires two mm-hmm. or it's people that used to play age of empires mm-hmm. two had no idea it existed which is still millions of people out there have no idea that there's a remake or yeah. that there's a community or anything they'll go to age four and then they'll come back to age two so i i think that yeah, if it anything, goes both ways yeah yeah if anything age two has a potential to grow from where it is currently uh, once H4 comes out. And at worst, it's probably half the player base. I can't see it going below that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon because I remember when HD came out, um, you know, the Vubly higher ups were scared that mm. uh, much of the player base would uh, like switch to HD. And what happened? Numbers on Vubly just went up and up and up and up. I mean, there. Well, of course, it helped that HD was a mess of a game. <laughs> it was kind of a bad experience, and Vubly was better in any possible way. But yeah, so it's like um, both communities just eventually grow at the same time. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's a 
That's a very fair assessment. Dave, um, this was every bit as fun as I thought it would be. I thank you so much for taking the time and for coming. Wait, 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 wait. And you you had you a... Around. Wait, you had a cryptocurrency question for Viper. You had a politics question for Tina. Where's my difficult question? Where is it? Well, that's the thing. You have no, you have no, you have no controversy surrounding you. That's the okay. thing. I really thought hard about something. There's no controversy surrounding you, surrounding your person. Okay. But is there something uh, difficult you want to tell me? No, no, it's just I was looking forward to it, to be honest. But uh, it has been a pleasure. And uh, it's nice to talk to you again after so long, man. Thank you so much, Dave. I'll see you around, man. Yeah, man. See ya.